Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Monday morning cash up. It is actually not Monday, and it is a special day. It is Halloween. I saved today's episode just for this because I'm excited. I love this holiday. I love seeing everyone dress up. I see. I love seeing the kids trick or treat, have fun. It's such a wonderful thing. I spent a few years up in uh, that far off land of Canada, and they didn't celebrate it like we do. And I know some people don't in Europe as well. So it's very uniquely U.S. And oh, who doesn't have good memories of this in the U.S., right? Uh, what were some of your costumes? Mine were Hulk Hogan, lots of vampires, lots of other wrestlers, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, I think, one year. Uh, this year, I did a little bit of AEW-inspired stuff with my wife. I posted a picture of that in the Discord. Oh, but it's a wonderful time. Are you watching any scary movies? Are you playing any scary games? Uh, there's so there's so much media out there. I, just, I love it. Every every October is the one time of the year when I get to really indulge in these and torture my wife with uh, horror. And we've been together for 10 years now. She hated horror, but now she's loving it. And uh, I think once you get over the grotesque and you kind of see behind the curtains at the artistry of it all, especially some of the stuff like uh, the Hellraiser series or Freddy, the terror goes away. Or maybe I'm just desensitizing her. I don't know. But anyway, happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. Doing really good over here. Um, the website for Robot Cash, that's uh, robotcash.com, has undergone a little bit of an overhaul. You're going to notice some things a little bit different uh, on it. Uh, we have a little AI uh, assistant that we're releasing pretty early right now. Um, please ask it some questions. Help us train it a little bit if you can. Really bullish on you know the the AI stuff. Uh, it's no coincidence that we did a little podcast on all that too. I think um, it's certainly an interesting place to go in too. Uh, AI, Web three, blockchain, the future's so bright we gotta wear shades, right? Right. So on top of that, over here at Robot Cash, we do have some new games too. Um, we do have Gardenia. This is a cozy first-person game. Um, there is a game that came out many years ago. Was it called? Was it called Rhyme? Was it? The visuals are very similar. I I don't know. Oh, Proteus. That's what it is. Someone out there. There's maybe one person who remembers Proteus, right? And by the way, thank you very much to all the new listeners. I see lots of new subscribers every single day. Thanks for coming on board with us. This is exciting. We're growing. We're growing together. We're establishing a community. I know some of you don't talk in Discord very often, but I see you listening. I see you posting. I see your DMs. Thank you very much for that. So anyway, back to the normal stuff that we're supposed to be talking about. Yes, new site, new game came out on the platform. Uh, we're running a fantasy sale. So get, go check that out. We have some of the games such as Fell Seal, Reverie Knights, uh, King's Bounty, which I have some, I have a cousin, I think that has thousands of hours in those. So if you like tactical games, yeah, the King King's Bounty games are on sale. 
What's that? Uh, you can buy... Look at that. You can buy a King's Bounty game for 200 iron. Or wait, $2. My bad. <laughs> Check that. Scratch that. Edit it out. Um, no, we don't edit this podcast very much here. So, yes, you can buy the King's Bounty games for $2. Go over there. They're great. They're classics. They're on sale. Come on. We know you want to. And what else do you spend that $2 on, huh? You're going to go and buy a $8 coffee or $12 coffee when you could buy a really great video game? That's right. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting the guilt on you a little bit. Anytime that you're going to go to a counter now or you're going to add something to your whatever cart that isn't robot cash you should be thinking about how can i better support robot cash with this money do i really need that alcoholic beverage do i really need this 17 dollar soda at this sports event or should i just spend that 17 dollars on some games and help support creators who get up to 95 percent of every sale I mean, it's clear what you should be doing. So, <clears throat> get on that one. <laughs> oh, I'm, on, I'm in a way today. Have you been that way? You know, like, you're just feeling yourself, but also, there's a lot going on in the world. And you just feel a little bit more energized, right? I saw a near final version of the Josh Barnett interview that we did, and I'm so proud of this, everyone. It came out so good. Uh, the food is delicious. We have some really great segments. We had some really fun editing in there. It's almost two hours long, though. I think actually the final one with all the other footage is over two hours. But if you like some of the other cozier podcasts that we've done with people, some of the more long-term stuff, you'll love that. I couldn't believe how much John Josh Barnett is a nerd for Warhammer. So that's going to be fun for some some of you to see, I guess. They're fans of Warhammer. Other people might just get bored. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. All right. Going down the list of things I have in my uh, in my task sheet to talk about. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about favorite uh, Twilight Zone episodes that are maybe good for this time of the year. Look, that doesn't have anything to do with Robot Cash. I know. I know. But it's Halloween. Let's Let's have a little bit of fun here. Okay. So, some of my picks are, I could have picked, like, the one with Talkie Tina, I can't remember what that one is, or the one with the kid, the little ginger boy. I mean, it's black and white, but we know he was a ginger, right? Where he takes a town hostage, but a few of mine. The Obsolete Man is always good. The Monsters Are Doing Maple Street is probably one of the top five on my list. Uh, the Howling Man, for sure. And, uh... The Masks, I think, is probably one of the most uh, Halloween-appropriate episodes. So check those out tonight, tomorrow. It's a good time to do it. Um, and I want to talk about some other topics I've seen otherwhere, otherwhere, other places on the internet. So here's one. What's a video game you have no interest in playing, but you love hearing or reading about? At the top, for me, is... Uh, Eve Online. I love the player-generated stories that come out of this, of backstabbing, of corporations, of this battle cost a million dollars of real-world stuff. That's I have no interest in playing it. Uh, it's just not my thing, but I love, love, love hearing about it. Um, 
one of the top answers here is Warhammer 40k. Yeah, the the lore is a lot of fun. Um, someone said Foxhole. Yeah, the the open world constant war in Foxhole is really cool. And then someone said uh, any horror game. I don't have the nerve to play one myself, but I'm always so fascinated by the stories, monsters, and lore that I wind up reading through their wikis to take it all in, safely away from the game itself. That's what my wife, wife says, too. Uh, she would never play a horror game, but she loves sitting here watching it until there are zombies. And then she runs away very quickly. It's just a thing with zombies. All right, moving along. Uh, here's another one. What game allows you to be bad, but you just can't commit to the role? And my answer for that is every single one. I posted a meme on my personal accounts, I think. Uh, that was something like, uh, when you click a wrong dialogue choice that makes you seem out to be a jerk at the beginning of the game, you have to restart the game. And I do that a lot. I, I, I don't know, I just feel bad about being a bad person <laughs> in a game. And uh, people are saying like, um, Fable 3, it's Mass Effect, Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, Bioshock, Knights Old Republic, Starfield, and uh, yeah, that, what are some of yours? Those are mine. I got I'm I'm like deep in thought right now, thinking about all the times when I've like made a bad decision. I remember in Fable, I think I accidentally killed someone, and then like your character kind of starts representing that evil tendency that you're making. And I just was so scared that I would start growing horns on my character. Red Dead Redemption. That was a big one for me too. The realism of it all and how guilty I felt. So, Or like not saving some people on time and then having that be a permanent part of the story. Like there was a character that was in a basement and I just kind of ignored that side quest. And I was like, oh, I'll just tackle this side quest later. And then it didn't appear again. So the whole time I was playing it, I kept coming back to that town hoping that that would trigger again. It never did. But I just felt really guilty about it. Isn't it amazing what video games can do to us? Yeah, that's a bigger picture story here. Um, apparently, David Hayter is going to return to voice Solid Snake. Uh, that's a cool story item, right? I didn't click more than that. I saw the headline. Forgive me. I don't want any spoilers. The Metal Gear Solid series is one that's near and dear to my heart. And cool. David Hayter's back in some capacity. I don't know what that means, but great. He's fantastic. Not to, you know, not Kiefer Sutherland's uh, appearance in the Metal Gear Solid, but it was uh, not David Hayter. And why that is, I know we can explain, but we don't want to spoil that. There may be some people out there that haven't played it. Uh, here's one that's very relevant to our historical podcast and our interviews. So here's a headline that says Ubisoft a using AI generated Assassin's Creed art amid cost cutting knockoff Ezio's appear on Ubisoft social media channels. So you can go and look into that a little bit more, but all I wanted to do here was take that story. All right. I have my left hand open. Now my right hand. I have the podcast that we did about AI with one of their leads over there globally for AI, Eric, that we posted month, two months ago, something like that. So, you know, if you want to read this article with a little bit of extra information about Ubisoft's approach to AI and everything, there you go. And then you know what you can do? 
You can then go and tell other people, I know a little bit extra about this because Kyle, through the Heart of Cash podcast, really dug into that and he made me an informed listener. (laughs) Right? Because that's what it's all about, feeding the ego. Feeding Kyle's ego. Not really, I'm trying to... Uh, add perspective on these things and I think uh, without going into too much of that article uh, I never want to to clarify a little bit here everyone uh, everyone here at Robot Cash we are all very dedicated to doing the best we can to users and to this industry and uh, we we want the ability to resell uh, because we want more ownership for you we want uh, we want to better this industry. I, I, like I've said so many times, and I've brought people on for that are part of this company for interviews. We're really trying to do right by people. So uh, clearly, we are sympathetic towards uh, creators getting paid what they deserve. So we don't want to say that we're justifying necessarily for you know. Uh, cost-cutting measures like Ubisoft is mentioning. But if you want to be one of those informed users, go ahead and listen to that podcast. Hopefully you can have a a bigger perspective on things. All right, moving along. On to something else. So here's a big one. Here's a big piece of news. Atari to acquire preservation and restoration studio Digital Eclipse for up to $20 million. The two companies previously worked together on the Atari 50th Anniversary Celebration Interactive Documentary. Atari has agreed to acquire development and restoration studio Digital Eclipse for an initial initial $6.5 million in cash and newly issued shares. Atari said the deal will serve to expand its internal development capabilities and enable its, it to utilize Digital Eclipse's industry-leading exp- experience and proprietary technology. Uh, Digital Eclipse was founded in 1992 with the goal of pioneering accurate video game re-releases by emulating vintage arcade games before emulation had become commonplace. Now the studio champions game preservation by developing archival releases and interactive documentaries such as Street Fighter 30th Anniversary, Mega Man Collection, and it's acclaimed the making of Karataka Retrospective. Ooh, it's acclaimed and I haven't heard of it? Ooh, I need to get on that one. So that's cool. Very, very cool. Uh, I had a long discussion about uh, preservation with some friends recently. Or was it on a podcast? I talked to so many people about so many podcasts that aren't out yet. Um, but yeah, the uh, that's something that's really scary. Uh, it's really concerning that we can't go back and see versions of games that uh, are like certain patches. Uh, certain live service games that are no longer going to be around or played in any capacity because that's just the way things are i think uh i does anyone else do this okay let me let me stop for a second here let me get on my little bit of a soapbox does anyone do this where you kind of go into an endless like youtube hole before bed and you watch like things that you don't watch any other part of the day part of what i do then is watch these lost media videos to see these different types of people out there who spend a lot of time searching for media that's just been lost to time or whatever for one reason or another like a dexter's laboratory episode or a commercial that you know was thought to be lost in the fire or films or anything like that uh news media broadcast there used to be this uh uh this 
Washington DC radio host. I think that all of his tapes were lost to time and it was like a cultural standpoint. Anyway, uh, long, I digress. Uh, long story short, uh, I love this type of stuff. Uh, congrats to, to Atari and Digital Eclipse for doing this. Very, very cool that you're able to do that. Good luck, everyone. Preserve this history. Preserve gaming. Uh, we don't know what we have already lost, so let's make sure that future generations and current generations as well can explore these everything that we have to offer. Um, we certainly are able to look through certain pieces of media through the lens of today with a bit more understanding and clarity. Some games are maybe overlooked and better now. Some are maybe controversial for past and present reasons. I think there's just viable reasons to dig into all of this. So very, very cool to do that. Um, that feels like an old man rant <laughs> today. Preservation! Okay, so two more. Two more bits of news. Oh, no, one. One. I already clicked on that one, I think. Okay, I thought this was really cool since I'm a big fan of horror games. Uh, I was recently on a horror or retro gaming podcast actually talking about uh what was it night trap and we talked i think for an hour almost two hours about night trap specifically so that was kind of fun i love 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 horror games which is one of the reasons why we posted so many uh different horror games and the trailers for them on our social media this month that's well that was me um, taking the wheel and showing you a lot of stuff that i really enjoyed okay so this article is 10 design lessons from 30 years of horror games. Developers have shared their techniques and philosophies with us condensed here for your convenience. I had a lot of fun reading this article. Um, and uh, in another life, I think uh, I, I'm a game designer, maybe, or at least level designer, because there's being able to kind of pull the strings of people in the way that they're outlining sounds like a lot of fun and something that I would definitely do. So let's get on to it. So number one, Earn the player's trust, then turn it against them. And uh, it says, you can identify spaces and that, that the player considers safe, and then you can invade that. Some of the most intriguing moments in games come from when the relationship between developer and player is disrupted such that the developer is no longer the player's advocate. One of those moments, maybe some of you can remember this, is in Resident Evil 3 when Nemesis busts through the door and it's a safe room. And holy crap like no <laughs> safe rooms are supposed to be safe and they completely take that away it's crazy um here's one that's a disempower the player it's uh while giving the player tools for means of survival isn't a bad design choice in and of itself making said tools extremely powerful will not only make the player potentially reliant on them but it will also shatter the sense of vulnerability that's essential in making the exper experience palpably palpably frightful yeah, I think that's a cool one. I think the Outlast games do that really well, right? Uh, consider dropping the cutscenes is number three. That is definitely one I think that uh, Dead Space did pretty well, right? And they also took away the pause menu. So, I mean, there are some cutscenes, I guess, in that one, but they're few and far between. Um, leverage player psychology is number four. It says, uh, understanding a basic theory of how people structure their sense of self can help identify what their motivations and greatest fears are, whether that's the audience of your game or a character that you're writing. Uh, she also reveals how the, this philosophy was, philosophy was applied to Bluebeard's Bride to authentically and emphatically facilitate what Beltran calls 
feminine horror that is an experienced experience rooted in the difficult lived experiences of women that's an interesting one uh i think levitt i don't know specifically what they're referring to here to take it to other games but um player psychology comes into play all the time i'll say player psychology is a big part of fighting games and one of the biggest horrors in any game i've ever played is when a you're playing like street fighter or one-on-one type game and that person's in your head and you don't know what to do <laughs> and you and you know you're gonna lose the game that's that's terrifying to me uh number five leave the players to their imagination that says uh the number one thing that you you said that's really tough to accomplish with video games is letting the players use imagination so let the to let the player think there's more going on than there actually is the amnesia games do this very very well uh there's often a lot of music tension um in the background i think in the pig one uh they have like this rising tension in the background um they do audio very very well there relinquish control is number six um it says you can't you, you have to give that up to some degree I have I talk about trusting the player a lot. Information is not your friend with horror. It's missing things. One thing that people on the team kept saying was, this is uh, Ken Levine about Bioshock. Shouldn't we lock the player in place? What if they miss it? I said, that's okay if they miss it. The thing out of the corner of your eye is way scarier than the thing in front of you. Yep. Number seven, environmental storytelling is your friend. I don't think we need to... Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think we need to talk about that in great detail because we all know what that is with i think the fallout series and bethesda in general does environmental story storytelling really well um but then they actually reference in this article uh amnesia a machine for pig for pigs about how environmental storytelling is key in that so um a couple more here number eight is subvert the player's most cherished memories And uh, the, the example they give is Choo Choo Charles. And those of you don't, who don't know about that game, it's basically an evil Thomas the Tank Engine with spider legs that chases you around in the game. And it was like kind of like a meme, but turned into a whole game. I haven't played it yet. I haven't on that one. Um, nine, keep it real. Uh, it says, like the show that inspired it, Deadly premonition was disruptive and disturbing because it throttled idealized images of small town life and embraced the conflicts of its seedier underbelly from incest and sexual assault to poverty, domestic violence, and mental health issues. And then it goes into, you know, how much uh, publishers and developers don't want to touch certain things um, because they're sensitive, but there's some things that certain certainly add a little bit of realism um and then here's number 10 and it says and above all accept that it can be hard to learn from other horror games um and i'll just read it right off here it says as director of dead secret chris pruitt says in his interview with con- contributor joel coter games comprise a cohesive experience that may not be easily dismantled for parts Pruitt made his game about a journalist investigating a murder at a victim's house outside of town after years of analyzing just about every horror title he could get his hands on, coming away with his own complex set of design values. His thought is that while it may be tempting to pick and choose from what worked for other games, like some kind of horror a la carte, the reality is a game is the sum of all its features interacting with one another 
and may not be as interesting or effective when isolated from those other parts. And there's a section here with a quote. It says, uh, for example, is Resident Evil 4 better or worse because of its decision to forbid simultaneous movement and shooting? Clearly, the developer felt so strongly about that decision that they chose to buck precedent. Would Resident Evil 4 be just as good with a different inventory management mechanic, a different control system, a different level design? It's hard to tell. The whole thing works so well that it's difficult to separate strands that might be repurposed from the whole. And it finally said, the best games transcend the sum of their parts and create something much more impactful. The trick is figuring out which, if any, of the design of the decisions made in a good game might be applicable to another game. So anyway, that's a long bit. Uh, we're way over the normal 15 minutes. This is at 25 minutes now, but I just thought I'd share that cool uh, game design article here. If you want me to read off more stuff like that, let me know. If you hate that, write in the Discord. Um, so on the docket for moving forward, we certainly have, like I said, there's a new, a new design on the website up. Uh, we got more coming down the pipeline, doing lots of planning. Like I kept saying, lots of editing of podcasts. We may or may not have another interview out this week. I'm trying to prep, uh, a bunch to come out and, uh, with everything on my plate right now, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's a little hard to find the time to do the editing that I need to do to get some of those interviews out. But rest assured, they will be coming back with a vengeance. And we got a lot of people, a lot of people lined up for that. And I, I do hear your uh, desire to have more developers and publishers on to talk about that. And that is certainly one of our things. But we do have the two in the bank that we have are James Swallow, the writer. And we do have Josh Barnett. That one's being finalized. And a couple others I'm not at a liberty to talk about right now. So we're going to have a lot more... Um, if anyone's got a line on Santa Claus, I would love to interview him, uh, for the Christmas one. <laughs> who is the gaming industry figurative Santa Claus? Who, who would that be? Hmm. I'm trying to think about that. The actual Santa Claus. I mean, clearly there is one, right? I'm still thinking that. All right, everyone, I'm rambling here, but uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, thanks to OC Remix for the music. You do such a wonderful job on that one. Uh, special shout out to the new members of the OC Remix community that are listeners of the podcast. Thank you, everyone. Uh, if you want to create some special tracks for the podcast, I won't say no to that. I really like robot-themed ones. It's kind of on brand, right? <laughs> All right, everyone, uh, go out there. Be safe this Halloween, please. Uh, don't drink and drive. Uh, don't eat too much candy. All right, that's old Grandpa Kyle signing off. <laughs> <laughs>